Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Am I more than you bargained for yet? You are. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, Nika, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Isn't it messed up how I'm just dying to be him? What? It's also a lyric for oh. that song. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what song is that <laughs> I actually don't know the lyrics to that song because I mean, famously... I know because you were just singing nothing but like, you were singing that song, but just like, because you cannot understand a goddamn word that he says. He swallows his tongue. That was stylistically what was in in 2005. I just thought that he had like a speech impediment. Isn't it messed up how I'm just dying to be him? Mistakes. Ow. I do think that that song is all about being a woman in love with a gay man. I'll have to re-listen. Who's like in love with a man, you know? I'll have to read the lyrics um, while I listen to it and let you know. There is a song. Do you listen to anything by Conan Gray? I have in my lifetime. For any of the girlies who don't know, you should know. He is Olivia Rodrigo's best friend. He don't know his sexuality famously is not listed anywhere on his wikipedia page he doesn't really talk about it he's queer clearly yeah i don't know if he, i don't want to call him gay or but you know i don't know <laughs> but he wrote a song that is about being in love with a boy who's in love with a girl who's prettier than him and it's so good it's like she looks better in that sweater like of course you're into her but like i'm standing right here and the love interest is clearly stated as a boy or is he in love with a lesbian no he's in love with a boy because either way hot hot. talk (laughs) but um i listened to it and i was like thank god i didn't you know that we didn't have conan gray when we were in high school because i would have been even more insufferable than I already was if I was like a little faggot listening to that song. Um, it's for the best that I listen to it now. But he's so good. I, I want to see him kind of skyrocket to fame that Miss Olivia is. Yeah, he's really cute. I've seen like videos of him interacting with fans. And yeah. he's like so sweet to them. Speaking of interacting with fans, did you see the photos of Troy Savon throwing out flowers that fans gave him on the street? <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of like there's photos of him getting like, all right. So somebody posted a photo on Twitter being like, oh, my God, he accepted the flowers I gave him this like gay guy being like, and it's him and Troy Sivan with the bouquet of flowers. And then somebody found paparazzi photos that were taken like minutes later of Troy Sivan and his friend. And Troy Sivan is just throwing two bouquets of flowers into like a New York City trash can. And then walking away. That's so funny. I know. That's a kind of like I ended up with for a year or for like two years after I went to my first fairy gathering. I had this like you've seen photos of me with it on it gathering. This like really like tacky like flower crown with like horn on it headband thing. Yeah. So my friend Nancy, who's a fairy, used to... Um, work for I'm not going to say their name but like one of the very famous drag queens from Drag Race okay and she was their stylist 
and like assistant and I guess like at this drag queens after this drag queen show a fan came up and was like I love you so much and like I bought you this and gave her this headpiece and she was like oh my god thank you I love it and then when she walked away she gave it to Nancy and she was like what the fuck am I supposed to do with this like take it fucking Regina George (laughs) yeah and so I I got it but I mean you've seen it like why would you give that to the drag queen it's so ugly it's okay this is actually bringing up a really important principle of mine a Mm -hmm. value i have if you will Mm -hmm. which is to never spend any more money on a celebrity than the exact amount for like their concert tickets or their you know i would never buy a celebrity a gift no never spend money on a gift for a celebrity they don't want it and they don't need it and they're Anything that they want, they can buy themselves. Write them a letter and slip it in your drawer like Elisa did for Avril Lavigne. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I get mad when someone reads it. Uh, uh, you know? I have a very embarrassing thing to admit. What? What this is, is it? This is, I mean, I feel, like, space. <laughs> I feel like. What'd you do to Harry this... Styles? <laughs> no, I wish. Uh, Harry Styles is who I'd break that rule of mine for. If I'd I... break it for Viola Davis. I oh, yeah, a- but you have, like, a relationship with Viola, <laughs> Viola Davis. It's different. Viola, come on the pod. <laughs> uh, stop fucking edging me with friendship once uh, a year on Facebook. God. <clears throat> well, anyway, um, so this probably will mean mostly nothing to you and Elisa, but to, like, anyone who's comedy, like, a comedian or comedy adjacent that listens, this is a very vulnerable thing I'm about to share. Um, I used to be as all comedians were in like 2013, 14, 15, and some of us even 16. Um, I was obsessed with the podcast. You made it weird with Pete Holmes. Okay. Um, And that is like a rite of passage for people who were doing comedy at that time. Like, all of us that was our bible of a podcast okay i still go back and listen to some of the episodes in fact i do actually recommend everyone listen to jenny slate's episode of that podcast it's iconic and hilarious but however um i because i was obsessed with this podcast and maybe listeners of this podcast of our podcast could relate to this. I developed a very deep parasocial relationship with Pete Mm -hmm. Holmes where I just really felt like he got me, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, which is so embarrassing to say now because he's kind of like, I mean, whatever. I don't have any real judgments to pass on him, but he's very much just now like a rich celebrity that is, has lost touch. Uh But um, at the time he was a little bit more relatable. And like, I think, I don't know. Whatever. I'm not going to defend the fact that I like the podcast. I wasn't alone in that. However, I went to go see him actually the day that I totaled my car, car, which we have an episode about. Um, Go listen. Go listen. Um, The day that I totaled my car on the way to go see Pete Holmes and then got (laughs) into a bus and still went to go see him, (laughs) I made him a friendship bracelet. Oh, my God. With his catchphrase. You know how we end every podcast with our little catchphrase? His last thing that he says on every episode of his podcast, um, at least he did at the time. I haven't listened to his podcast in many years. But um, his phrase is, keep it crispy. Yeah. And so I made a friendship bracelet that said, keep it crispy in the, with the letters. Uh And I threw it on stage at the end ish, like towards the end when he was like, I didn't interrupt any of his jokes rather. I'm trying to clarify. Um, but he like put it on and like made this whole thing. He's like, Oh my God, who made this? And then he did a meet and greet later and God, it was so embarrassing that like I 
went and I like was like, hey, I'm the one who made the friendship bracelet. And like, I love your podcast. And I'm, I just started doing stand up comedy. And like, it's such an honor to meet you. And he was like, oh, really? You made the bracelet? Like someone earlier said that they made the bracelet. <gasps> and I got really defensive and um, like took out my bag and like proved it to him because I had like beads with yeah. me. I was like, no, I made it. And it was so clear that he like didn't give a shit who actually oh, made no. it. Um, <laughs> I actually have a photo of him wearing it. Oh, um, anyway. And then I told him that I like. I mean, I think I said this in the episode where I talk about my mm-hmm. car crash, but I like told him that I totaled my car and he like looked at me like I was literally insane. He's like, what the fuck are you doing oh here? <laughs> He's like, you crashed your car, made me a friendship bracelet. Yeah, that's why I crashed my car. still came to my show. Like, I just feel like he probably um, felt like I was clinically insane and maybe at risk of Pete Holmes, physically come on the pod hurting and him. You tell us. Do you think Anya's insane? Pete Holmes, come on the pod and tell us how quickly you threw out the French. Yeah, bracelet. how how fast? <laughs> how fast did you throw that out? He's he was he made that show crashing on HBO. Um, he's, I mean, in the comedy world, like he's kind of renowned as like when he was really, when he was coming up in the New York scene, like, you know, you know, um, Mindy who took our headshots. So she like knows Pete Holmes personally and like has taken a lot of photos of him. And I remember her telling me and a lot of our friends or like people that we know in comedy that were around when he was coming up like 2007 ish. Yeah. Um, say that like he was that comedian that if you were like coming after him on a show you were fucked like he just like would absolutely murder and no one could follow him like he mm-hmm. he's like a legend in New York City comedy and but like that's like it's just it's one of those situations where even though he's like so fucking talented and even if you watch his kind of like corny stand up specials now you can see it like he just has this x factor that makes him like innately talented at stand-up mm-hmm. the, th- the thing that's kind of made him kind of like corny to people is yeah. he's got this kind of like manufactured earnestness to him, to him that like at first seemed to be um i don't know i think a lot of people really re- he really resonated with people kind of back when i was a fan of his um for like how kind of wide-eyed and full of wonderment he still was and like he just is so like he was really good at interviewing people because he's got like so much curiosity and like he doesn't have that jadedness that a lot of comedians have he doesn't have that kind of like bad faith perspective that a lot of comedians have and I think a lot of people found that really refreshing he's in one of my favorite movies but I think because he knew that that's why people liked him he started kind of like Jimmy Fallon faking his laugh you know, and I think that that some people are able to avoid it, but you can only avoid it if you like the trade in is that you're not going to be as much of a superstar if you like don't. It's like it's a selling your soul kind of thing. It's like one of the deals with the devil people have to make, I think. And that's why I don't really pass judgment on him. And I think like the like comedians sometimes have like Pete Holmes slander, like, LOL, like you made it weird with Pete Holmes is like a like who still listens to that podcast blah 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 and like sure I don't listen to it anymore either but I don't like have the same like disdain because I'm like well we all liked him for a reason you guys and like he cashed in and like who can blame him for that I feel like Jabuki has gotten that treatment too to a lesser extent like when Jabuki wasn't huge yet Mm -hmm. we were all like oh my god like one of our own is really blowing up and then as soon as he like got like objectively successful people had like a million things to say about like 
why he was a sellout for it. That's and it's how just it like, always happens. It's, yeah. It's a tale as old as time. No, I mean, I think everyone still likes him. I think people were just jealous. <laughs> no, totally. Um, tale there's as some old people as where time. it's just, there's some people where people's backlash to them is jealousy. And I think there's some people where the backlash is maybe like the perspective is maybe accurate, but like, why are you spending your time thinking about this so much? Yeah. And I sort of, that's how I feel about Pete Holmes, I guess. Like I, I still have a fondness for him because he truly like you made it weird. That podcast was truly my playbook for how to start doing stand up. It was like the reason that I felt confident enough to even try it because like, um, the whole format of the podcast is he interviews famous comedians and now he doesn't, it's not just comedians anymore, but in the beginning it was comedians and they talked about comedy, sex and God. The fact that he made the world of comedy so accessible to aspiring comedians, I think undeniably is a huge reason why there's like too many comedians now. Yeah. Like I think Pete Holmes is kind of directly responsible for that. And that's why we're letting you know that we're retiring. Um, yeah. From I mean, comedy. I feel like uh, she's not on like, you know, the same. I don't know much about Pete Holmes from the way you're talking about him. I wouldn't put her on the same list, but just in the vein of like Pete Holmes, Jabuki, uh, what's her name? St. Vincent. St. Vincent. I feel like uh, Amy Schumer really got that. Oh, yeah. Treatment. Like people loved her when like when she first hit the scene and like people were like lauding her for being like this like mouthy kind of like ridiculous comedian who and like then, didn't care that women get shit for like talking too much about sex and stand yeah or she, like, like literally sort of her by, brand <laughs> open up her special by calling her mom a cunt which i love <laughs> and i think about constantly so my mom's a cunt um, i always think about just the sentence one time i let a cab driver finger me <laughs> <laughs> like that's what that whole fucking set is so good but everybody loved her until till she like just went on the same path as any ali wong is kind of getting it right now like she just had her most recent comedy special on netflix and i haven't watched it but like it, it's gotten like really bad reviews because the whole thing is like she is famous and out of touch now and it's like she's just kind of like for sure yeah but like She's just kind of doing what, like, every comedian who gets successful does. I sort of feel like there's no winning when it comes to becoming a famous stand-up anymore. Yeah. Like, I think the cutoff for being, like, a stand-up who can continually put out, like, our specials all the way into, like, like the late, late end of your career, like, retirement age... Mm-hmm. I think that cutoff was like the early 2000s because everyone yeah. since then has had the same problem where like by their third hour long special, people are like, boo, you're not relatable anymore. I think t- when I, the only person I can really think of that like maybe escaped that, but she's just so low profile is Tignataro. Yeah, but so that's what I mean is like famous. I mean, yeah. not that Tignataro's not famous, but I think she's I think she's, she's purposely not, avoided because. Right. So that's what I was saying earlier. I think that's why it's like a deal with the devil you have to make. You either have to kind of like if you want true mainstream celebrity success, you have to forfeit part of who you actually are. Yeah. And like people like Tignataro, um, people like Maria Bamford, Mm -hmm. um, people like who's another good example of this? 
I mean, there's a few of them. There's like definitely comedians who are still putting out consistently incredible work yeah. really late into their career, but none of them are like Amy Schumer, yeah. Louis C.K. level. Yeah. And like Louis was an example of someone who was still putting out really good work, but unfortunately disqualified himself by being a fucking bad person Sex and pest. creep. Yeah. But also if you look back on his stand-up, he was like also kind of just one of those white guys who was trying to get away with saying like, slurs yeah so i'm like how much was he actually the genius that we all thought he was back when those yeah i would love to go back and revisit those specials and just see what like my 15 year old brain thought compared to my 27 year old brain. right but you know who is maybe the first person to like be the true victim of this phenomenon dane cook oh for sure dane cook was like the one who like paved the way of like you find out the thing that people like about you Mm -hmm. and then you like make it your whole thing to a point of inauthenticity and then people turn on you. Yeah. I think that was like his downfall to be honest. Also kind of Ellen. Oh yeah. You know, cause Ellen, it like happened after Dane cook and her career was already lasting longer. Like, you know, like his rise and fall happened while she was still in good graces with people. I think. Yeah. I just, yeah. But we're like people in like the comedy world still respecting yeah. her. Yes. Oh, really? Even with her talk show. Yep. Okay. Cause when, cause the talk show, what was 2003 and her second special was 2003. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I think it was like right after that. And that's when she just became, I mean, yeah, everyone still loved her. She was like America's lesbian sweetheart. But. Yeah. And well, I don't think people really started to like not respect her as a comedian anymore until like the recent shit about her being like a bad employer and like her being friends with George Bush and like yeah. all of that started coming out. And her last special just sucked. Yeah. I mean, but that was recently. You yeah, know? yeah. Yeah. For like, sure. I think in that whole time, she was still kind of like. But she wasn't coming out with stand-up specials basically that whole time. Yeah, she wasn't. So I think people kind of just like, it was kind of um, that thing where... It sucks that she sucks because, my God, no one can do clean comedy like Ellen DeGeneres. Like, I don't think that I could ever get up there and do clean, clean comedy. comedy. I would I would just eventually resort to like sex, drugs, and rock and or roll. Or just saying fuck. <laughs> like, I just, I, I can't, I can't not at least swear when doing stand Like, I yeah. just couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't. And that's how I know that I just don't really want to make, you know, in quotes, make it. Um, I mean, well, you I could say fuck and make it. Well, you know what I mean? I don't, I couldn't see myself like getting as far or as, you know, as far as being on like a late night, you know, like whatever those shows are, a late night show and having to do clean comedy like that. But late night shows, you don't need to do clean really? comedy. Really? Oh, I thought you couldn't like swear on something like, uh, what, what? They'll, are... they'll just bleep you oh, okay. at this point. Like, I mean, so there are like certain things you can't really talk about. I don't watch those things anymore. Well, nobody does. So that's why I'm like, don't even worry about not yeah. ever seeing yourself on that, first of all, because everyone I know, like plenty of my friends have had late night stand up sets and it has changed their career not at all. That like, sucks. I mean, <laughs> other than the fact that they now have that like credit, which yeah. can be helpful to get your foot in the door with other things. And you you know, if you say like as seen on late night with Stephen Colbert, that can help you with other opportunities. Yeah. But like, it's not like they gained fans or like any kind of like Instagram following or oh, anything sure. like that from it. Um, late night sets used to change people's lives because people actually watch those shows. Yeah. But n- people don't watch those shows anymore. So now it's just like. Okay, so some people in the Midwest who literally would never relate to a thing you're saying anyway (laughs) are watching this and probably are changing the channel during the stand-up set and like coming back for the musical guest. (laughs) And then the musical guest is like Willow Smith and they change it again. Again. (laughs) 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 So true. (laughs) Like, I don't even understand who those shows are really for anymore. This is the most we have ever talked about comedy on our comedy podcast. I know, I know. I try not to, but, you know. No, I mean, 
it's you know it's I'm chill. I don't try not to. I just don't really do stand up ever. I mean, you literally did it last week. But... I know, but that was for the first time in what, like five months. It was the first time since summer. No, not since summer. You did. You keep forgetting about multiple shows you've done. Uh, it's the ketamine. <laughs> <laughs> um, whatever. It doesn't matter. We're not going to get into the logistics of your stand-up comedy career. Anya I... remembers so that I don't have to. <laughs> I'm your manager. Anya is my momager. <laughs> For sure. Oh, my God. Um, but we will be doing comedy Again, more. consistently. Because consistently. we have a... Okay, this is a soft announcement. And soft launch. Soft launch. We're soft launching our boyfriends. A soft launch of an announcement that is, um, you know, it's confirmed, but we got, like, I want to, like, have, yeah. like, proper promotion. We're going to hard launch it. Well, like, when we officially announce it, like, we're, I feel like we would open the podcast with this For announcement. Sure. Um, but we have a monthly stand-up show that we have secured at a location, and it's going to start in May. And that's all you're getting. And that's all you're getting right now. But um, <laughs> if you live in New York City and you've been like, why don't you guys do live shows? Well, fucking Never grow fear. up because... <laughs> <laughs> Push yourself up by our bootstraps and come to our show. <laughs> Patience is a virtue, and it just took a year and a half of doing this podcast for us to finally... And a year and a half of doing... Doing the podcast and then a year of saying we should do a live show <laughs> of us finally hey, um, figuring out a place to better do it. a year and a half than never yeah so i mean also you know like we had to really we had to make a name for ourselves we had to foster this baby this podcast <laughs> we're gonna start a show you know save the date the save, whole month of may save the date um is your party in may or no that's april well, April 1st, next Friday, is um, the next Diet Judge okay. at Parkside Lounge. Um, it's a dance party with like an immersive comedy aspect to it. Yes. Um, it's genuinely very funny. I'm very excited for the th- things we have in store. Um, Time Out is listing us as a, something to do next Hell week. Yes. Like We're a legit party. Come hang it'll be really fun hell yeah um it's five dollar pre-sales and fifteen dollars at the door so lock in those pre-sales link in my fucking numerous bios this is two months away but i mean we're well i guess a month and a half may is a month and a half at this point um but since we're talking about april and may shit it's i was waiting for sparkle baby to confirm it but he finally put on instagram the next bottle service is may 13th at black flamingo so uh, follow me on Instagram and stay tuned. I'm just picturing um, all of our little besties like pulling out their their planners. Yeah. Honestly, you need to tell our besties states. this shit as soon as you find out because everyone's calendars just fill up. I know. Totally. Um, um, and I know mine sounds like it's a joke because it's April 1st, but it's actually happening. Yeah, no, it's real. I've been. It's fun. <laughs> it's a, a sick venue. Um, DJs are amazing. DJs are amazing. And the sound system is like one of the best sound systems out of the like party venues um, that we frequent while we're plugging things. Our Patreon episode this week, we talk about a lot about the gays. Yeah. We talk about inter LGBTQ IA politics. (laughs) Um, We talk a lot about the New York city nightlife world. And um, we talk a lot about, about you're talking about me being a slut whore (laughs) (laughs) um we talk about me being back in my horked and corked 
I'm absolutely sorking and forking my way through the city. Honestly, our Patreon episodes are just as good as our regular episodes. Sometimes, like, even funnier. Yeah. We're like, don't worry about these trash garbage episodes <laughs> we put out every episodes. week. Um, no, these episodes are amazing. <laughs> I just think, you know, I want we want people to know that the Patreon episodes are also worth the um, oat milk latte <laughs> that they might. Per month. Per month. Also, if you buy a whole year, it's even less money. Also, so. I don't know a single place in Brooklyn that you can get an oat milk latte for, for $4. For $4.99. No, it's a no. $7 commitment. Yeah, plus a tip. Plus a tip. Tipping. You better be tipping your barista <laughs> okay folks tip your barista did you see that ida b wells twitter account um said that her not tipping is actually um an anti-racist practice because <laughs> the look on my face yeah so she's she's this like twitter famous like yeah blue, yeah black woman for anyone who doesn't know she's like a real like blue check mark lib um and she went off on a tangent about how expecting specifically black people to tip at a restaurant is actually rooted in racism, which listen, part of what she says is true. Tipping did start as a result of black people being freed from slavery because black people were forced into the service industry sure, and, and they weren't paid making less pay. You were at the time not being paid anything. We're just being paid tips. Right. So that, you know, it is a legacy of slavery for sure. Uh-huh. But 2022, we're all working service industry jobs. Please tip us. <laughs> and so she went off on this rant because then th- obviously all people, but especially a lot of black women were then piling on her and were like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, did you take your meds today? You cannot say that you're not tipping. She was like, if I don't tip, I usually leave a note. Oh my and God. people were like, yeah, girly, like, please don't do that and just tip. Also like, you have money. Yeah. Like you're like a contributor on like MSNBC. Yikes. Um, yeah. So just like, please tip. Please tip. When I was a teenager, I had these like acquaintances who were just like typical like queer crust punks who would like, I went out to eat with them once. God, queer crust punks. And they didn't tip. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like I was always a kid who tipped like 25%. Yeah, and same. I was like, whoa, 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 like what are you doing? And they're like, well, we're going to draw her a picture. And I was like, she doesn't want your fucking picture. She wants to She needs tips. to pay rent. And they were like, well, we can't afford to tip. And like, it's really classist of you, Nika, to like shame us for not tipping when we go out to eat. And I was like, no, if you can't afford to tip, you can't afford to go out to eat. Yeah, which stay home. sucks. Which sucks, but stay going yeah. out to eat is not like a divine right bestowed upon you. I, okay, home. for context, um, my first job was waiting tables. I've had multiple waiting table table mm-hmm. jobs since then. Um, but that first job was at like kind of a regular schmegular restaurant, um, that didn't have like any perks for working there. It was just like, you make your servers wage and you make your tips like no, no bells or whistles. My monthly paycheck from that job was $100. Yeah. Sounds about right monthly paycheck. Sounds about right. All of the money that I made from that job, like all of it was from tips. Yeah, I don't think people realize that in cities that aren't New York, most servers are still making like two seventy five an hour. Yeah, like and that's then what that's I was taxed. Make- yeah, that's what I was making in Providence, and then I was making, you know, my- I was subsisting on tips in New York. Luckily, most restaurants now and bars are paying ten an hour. Yeah. But, but still, that's not, not a, a livable wage no. in New York. No, um, not at all. Especially when it's taxed. It's also not a livable wage in Any, most places. Yeah. I think the like the bare minimum in like pretty much every part of the country at this point is $20 an it hour. Is, yeah. 
Um, and in New York, it's closer to $25, $30 an hour. Yeah. Like for, I'm talking like you still have three roommates in a shitty apartment. Like also I hate that people think that like that is a standard of living that counts as the bare minimum. Like we should all no, uh, yeah. minimum wage you're should, like entitled pay, if you want more. should be able to pay for a one bedroom apartment. If you're an adult living on your own, like living outside of your parents' house. Yes. Like it's just ridiculous to me that like we keep lowering the standards of what livable even means yeah. because people have just been forced to make it work and forced to cram themselves into like illegal bedrooms and apartments. And now like everyone's like, great. So that's the standard of living. Yeah. Like what the fuck is going on? It's the worst. So anyway, please tip. (sighs) Yeah. Ida. That's an Ida and everyone else tip. Uh, I believe I fully 100% um, believe and support in reparations, but I just don't think that they're coming from us taking wages away from people living at below the bottom the poverty of poverty line at the bottom of the totem pole like what um let's, okay let's what'd you say i said let's segment let's go girls let's segment. um so now we're going to segment <laughs> <laughs> now we've entered the ASMR portion of the podcast mistakes keepsakes and hot takes Someone's absolutely just like jacking off this episode. <laughs> oh my god, ASMR is not sexual, everyone. It's just relaxing. But for some people, it is sexual. Yeah, but it's not like inherently sexual. No, I agree with you. <laughs> but there- Should we do an entire episode of just ASMR? <laughs> Maybe that can be like another tier on the Patreon. That can be our like- hundredth episode. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if we could even fucking do it. Okay, yeah. Because it is like it's more effort to whisper. No, I hate it. It's like making <laughs> my skin crawl. It's more effort to whisper. And I feel like we're both just such like attention seeking loud mouths. Yeah, for sure. You, know? you will really are. <laughs> we are. We are. Uh, you and Lisa are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Mistakes, keepsakes, and hot takes. Mistake this week. Um, I, so... I went to a psychiatrist Mm -hmm. earlier this week Mm -hmm. um, after months and months and months and months of trying to find a fucking psychiatrist that takes my insurance and was taking new patients. And like, it just really took all the energy in the world to make this happen. But I finally got an appointment with one and I'm on meds, everybody. Can I get an applause break? Um, But that's not the mistake. That is honestly probably the keepsake, Mm -hmm. but the mistake is that it was a an appointment that was at nine in the morning, which mm-hmm. if you know me, that is basically what 3 a.m. is to everybody else, yeah. you know, like truly middle of the night as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's like it feels like what other people describe, like having to be at the airport by like 6 a.m. Yes. Feels like to them, like that's what having to be at a doctor's appointment at 9 a.m. feels like to me. Like I had to set like a million alarms. I like Definitely didn't get enough sleep because my circadian rhythm just is not on that level. <laughs> like 9 a.m. is when I enter my first cycle of REM, you know, like that is it just is not the time for me to be already at the doctors, which means I had to be up by like 730 a.m. And I just want everyone who like has a normal sleep schedule to imagine that you had to wake up at. in the morning. (laughs) You had to wake up at whatever, 2, 3, 4 a.m. 
to get to a doctor's appointment. Like just let that sink in. That is like the level of like, that's where I'm starting. Okay. So I obviously am not doing well when I wake up and I'm not, I'm not hungry yet. It's the middle of the fucking night for me. I am asleep. I'm not really hungry. I like drink some caffeine. I eat like a little bit of something. Um, I wash my face put on my SPF and go on my merry fucking way. And I make it on time to the psychiatrist appointment. Um, And for whatever reason, they do all this, like the intake happened in like three stages. And it was like, I met with a psychotherapist. Then I met with the psychiatrist. And then I met with a nurse that like took all of my, like, you know, like, took a urine sample, took blood samples, did an EKG, all the things that they're supposed to do when they put you on new medication. Yes. For whatever reason, the nurse was the last thing that I did. So I had already been there for three hours by Mm. the time they were taking my blood. And I already didn't eat a lot Mm. when I um, woke up that morning. Mm. So by the time they were taking my blood... I was running on like absolutely nothing in my stomach and Mm. I like immediately knew I was like, "Mm, I should probably say something to them about that. But I just kind of wanted to get it over with. And like, I just didn't like, I thought I could mind over matter it, which is just not how the human body works. Um, So immediately the needle went in and I knew that something like I was like, oh, I need I need to like not do this on an empty stomach. There's a reason they always say to eat something before you get your blood drawn. Yeah. Um, And I immediately feel my head getting lighter and I'm like, hey, um, I don't feel so good. I'm feeling really lightheaded. And then the next thing I know, I'm being woken up, like shaken awake by an entire team of emergency room nurses And they're all like with extreme urgency being like, okay, her vitals are crashing. Like um, we need to get her to the emergency room right now. And like my vision is going out and I'm like sweating and I can like feel, I can feel that my heart is not doing what it's supposed to do. Two minutes. Wow. Which is way too long. That's why they were like freaking out. Jesus. And I personally (sighs) felt like I was catapulted into another fucking dimension. Like, it was so fucking surreal. Um, I, like I, when I woke up, when I came to, I had no fucking idea what year it even was. Like, I didn't know where I was. I was like embarrassed and confused, Aww. but I didn't know why. Like, yeah. I was just like, what the fuck is happening? I also sort of felt like they were like, it, it very much felt like they were like waking me up while I was in the middle of like a really important conversation in whatever yeah. like dreamland I was yeah. in. Like I sort of felt like they had interrupted something, which yeah. is like how people describe like getting like um, resuscitated. Mm-hmm. Like is that they were like being interrupted from like something really important. Oh my God, maybe there is something beyond this. Yeah, no, it was really strange. I was like, what the fuck? Like, why are you guys waking me up right now? But then once I was like waking up, I was like, oh God, I got to stay away. I gotta stay awake. I gotta yeah. stay awake. Um, anyway, uh, so my mistake is clearly like I should have just eaten like a proper breakfast and like even just forced myself to eat because like I knew I was gonna have blood drawn that day. Yeah, it was so annoying. But it was my first time really crying since Honcho. Thank God. I sobbed, uh, sobbed. Um, and then once it started, I started just crying about everything in my life, which was really cathartic. Um. 
Anyway, so that was my mistake. My keepsake is that I'm medicated. Whoa. Um, I'm on Wellbutrin and Lamotrigin, I think it's pronounced as. Okay. Um, and so the Lamotrigin is a mood stabilizer and Wellbutrin is an antidepressant. Is it an SSRI? Um, I actually don't know, but it might not make Molly work for me anymore. Is that why you're asking? Yeah. Yeah. Well, just in general, I mean, there's like a lot that like to be prepared for with an SSRI. Um, just like libido stuff and drug stuff. Yeah. But listen, but no, I mean, I'm happy for, I'm not <laughs> very happy for you. I'm just curious myself. Cause I don't know. I, I don't know. Actually, I've, I was looking up stuff about it, but, um, let's if it's see. not an SSRI, you'll be fine with Molly. It's not an SSRI. Oh yeah. And you can still do drugs. <laughs> Great. <Whoa>! Thank God. <laughs> Slur. <laughs> Um, uh, I was like, going to say, I don't I start think... replacing your meds with like Tylenol because it... I'm annoyed that you can't do Molly anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think it is an SSRI because multiple friends of ours are on it and okay. like they're very horny and do Molly all the time. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> I love the way we describe our friends to our podcast. Very horny and do Molly all the time. Okay, Not all of our friends, <laughs> but, but no, in a good way. I mean, yeah, but it's true. <laughs> um, whatever. Either way, I'm down to edit out part of this. <laughs> okay. I mean, people get sensitive about the way we talk about meds, and I don't, you know, I'm not medicated, so I don't want people thinking that I'm, you know, at advocating or anything for people not being on meds. Listen, so they can y'all, do drugs to be or, clear, if what I was. What if what the psychiatrist thought was best for me was an SSRI, I would do it. Yeah. And I, I, I was already prepared for that. When I went in, yeah. I was like, that's why I was like, this weekend, my birthday might be my last hurrah with Molly, at least for a while, because I, I would knew, obviously be supportive of it. Everyone. I knew I that an SSRI was a possibility for me, and I much rather have a stable mental health than like yeah. be able to like every three months feel kind of euphoric and then like shit for four days. Like every three months. What? Every three months. Well, no, I mean, like, that's what <laughs> you're supposed to do with I Molly. Know. I know. <laughs> Actually, and that's kind of what I've been doing. I have not been really doing Molly at all lately. When was the last time you did it? Oh my god! I mean, I've gone after your birthday. I won't be doing it again till the mountain, which is one month. Whatever. <laughs> and then after that, I won't do it again till Detroit, maybe. Yeah, maybe we'll we'll see if I even feel like I need to do it at Movement. Um, and after that, Pride. Where's <laughs> then <laughs> after that, Camp Flirty. And after that, Honcho. Oh, don't whatever. What you know? And what? after that, <laughs> we already have like a monthly. We have we are scheduled <laughs> monthly to do Molly until like two years from now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, then we have like Atlanta Pride. Uh, if it's any consolation, it's and I'm I'm saying this to myself. I'm, I've been doing MDA rather than MDMA, <laughs> which makes me feel a lot less crazy for the come down. Yeah, because it's more pure than MDMA. Uh huh. So whatever. Um, Listen, I have my checkup on March 31st. I'll find out what's going on with me. I yeah, feel fine. I think I'm whatever. Yeah, no, I was honest with the. Um, psychiatrist about what drugs i do recreationally and he did not mention me having to stop any of them oh, when he yeah, gave I me love these meds that. all those fucking doctors at myrtle wyckoff well i think the reason that um i was able to be honest and it not cause any red flags is because i don't do cocaine mm. and if you do coke and you're at the 
uh, you're trying to get ADHD meds. Yeah. That's like a big red flag. Totally. But I, I was like, I do LSD. I do mushrooms. I do Molly and I do ketamine sometimes. And yeah. they were like, so word, um, we're putting you on these meds. And if you, uh, experience any, le- like keep us in the loop about if you feel any different. Yeah. Keep us in the know. Also, because I don't smoke weed and I think um, smoking weed is kind of a red flag if you have bipolar disorder sometimes because it can trigger psychosis. Yeah. Oh, Obviously, wish. these all all of these things can trigger psychosis, but um, it's just very common for weed. <laughs> Every weekend. Okay. Anyway, <clears throat> my hot take. Speaking of fainting (laughs) kind of yeah actually speaking of fainting speaking of psychosis and speaking of drugs um fainting is the hardest drug Uh. (laughs) that is my hot take okay um there's a reason victorian women like molded their lives around it there's a reason there's entire pieces of furniture dedicated to it Mm. and it's because it goes fucking hard okay i the last time i experienced an ego death like that was doing dmt okay like fainting, I'm not saying I ever want to really do it again, but you know, same with DMT. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a very intense, um, all natural drug experience that Hell like yeah. drugs, the chemicals released in my brain during that fainting and during the other times that I fainted in my life. Holy, holy shit. Cow. Um, yeah, that's how, you know, that's I, whatever it's. Fainting was to me like when I woke up from it, I was like, damn, like I ketamine has never made me dissociate that hard. Damn, that was intense. It literally felt like I was coming out of like a um, fucking salvia trip or something. Oh my God, salvia. Oh <laughs> I'm going to do salvia on your birthday. <laughs> I'm going to ruin your party and just do salvia. Cool. Um, <laughs> Love that. JK. I'm going to I'm going to do DMT at your party. Um I'm going to reenact my DMT trip. God. <laughs> from North Carolina. That's how that's how I will know that you actually hate me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "Come on, come on. Give me give me the DMT." Oh god. <laughs> um okay. Cool. My mistake um is a more lighthearted one this week than my usual ones. I just I didn't accept a shift (laughs) on time the way that my job my catering job works is that we have this app called nausta and so we get notification like you know push notifications whenever a shift is available and we either accept it or deny it Mm -hmm. i my rule now that catering has started back up again is that i accept every single shift that comes my way as long as i have nothing planned for that day Mm -hmm. so like any free day so i'm trying to work pretty much five days a week um or like four days a week and then five with my bar job. Anyway, I um yeah, I was watching a TikTok and I saw the notification and I was like, well, the TikTok is like going to be over in 15 seconds. I'll go accept the shift in 15 seconds because I was really enamored by this guy who died in an underground cave. Uh, and when I went to go accept the shift, somebody had already taken it. So it was not a very girl boss move of me see tiktok is ruining lives i know it's fine though because i'm literally working 35 hours in the next 12 days so like my keepsake um would definitely be bottle service that was that was last weekend right Mm -hmm. yeah okay yeah um i you know it was my first time my first like 
opportunity really that's been thrown my way aside from being asked to like work the door at parties but my first like collaborative opportunity that's been thrown my way in nightlife you know we've only really been in this scene for less than a year so it was exciting to be asked to take on that kind of responsibility um and the party was truly sore cute um like a good mix of straight people and then queer people and then our friends the dance floor was just like really fun and like a moment the djs were amazing working with the staff was great the staff of black flamingo is they're so hot chic cool sexy fun to work with um and also just like being paid to some, be at a fucking some fat party. dollars to be at a party <laughs> was a good feeling i have to say like shout out to every party host it's like not a job for the faint of heart no unless like you're being a bad host um but like i don't know but not- i truly love it yeah it's not- kind of fun it like adds an extra layer of like it almost makes like i already love being at a party and then it feels like you're kind of like playing a game while yeah. you're at the party yeah it's like a video game that you have to like keep all the plates spinning and like not like let anything go wrong you know yeah i i also learned something about myself which is that i can actually literally do anything in a k-hole oh yeah um working the door in an accidental k-hole was amazing (laughs) i was like wow i am like telling people to like move aside i literally was like i was working so hard to make up for the fact that i felt unprofessional that i was in a k-hole and i worked my ass off um, so now I know. I really don't think that ketamine, I mean, I would never like operate machinery or drive a car on it, yeah. but I, I feel like it doesn't make you less capable of like doing, um, non dangerous things. Yeah. Agreed. Like, I just feel like it's, um, it's a momentum drug. Whatever yeah. you're doing when you're on it, you'll just keep doing. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. if that is working the door, then baby, you're going to work that door. Yeah, I worked that door. Um, but yeah, that's the keepsake. The party was so cute. Um, thank you, Sparkle Baby. Um, and my hot take. My hot take, um, I'll keep it short because I kind of want you guys to have to then go subscribe to the Patreon to hear like more in depth about what I'm talking about. But my hot take is that gay men are just a different flavor of misogynistic like gay men and straight men um, are actually one in the same. They are different sides of the same coin. I kind of got into like a little tiff with someone on TikTok today about the unchecked misogyny in the gay community. And he like his response to that was just that like women can be homophobic. White women can be homophobic. Specific, well, also, yeah, I was like, okay. it's like you're white. First of all, no, he wasn't. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, the but, photo. He looked white in the photo. But Oops. he is. Well, he so he is white quote unquote white passing and straight passing as another TikToker described him. Okay. I probably I wouldn't describe him that way, but like if someone else is reading him that way, then that I like that, that yeah. is the case, I guess. And so that was like something that someone brought up was like, you're complaining about quote unquote straight people around you and you're it's based on sight alone and like bestie on sight alone, you look like a white straight Just guy. Just so funny to be like straight women are ruining the West Village. <laughs> Yeah, like that crazy. But anyway, we got into <laughs> insane a little bit of an argument. And like his thing was that white women can be homophobic. And I was just like, yeah, just because women can be and sometimes are homophobic doesn't mean that you get to be misogynistic. And yeah. that also doesn't mean that they their presence in and of itself is homophobic. Yeah. And it's also homophobic to assume that all women are straight. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And also like. I mean, 
plenty of women are not homophobic is the thing. So like the assumption that they're just going to be just because they're around is so weird. I would wait, you know, I would wager. <laughs> I would honestly bet your life on it. <laughs> Mine. Okay, cool. <laughs> I, I would, I would, um, bet. I will sell Anya to the highest bidder if I'm wrong, <laughs> but I would wager to say that there are more misogynistic gay men than there are homophobic women. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I would agree with that, I think. Yeah. And if yeah. I'm wrong, you can have Anya. I mean, there's no way to actually <laughs> fact check that. So so I'm right. Because you know what? <laughs> that That is how that's how we got Trump as president. He just said shit and no one could fact check it. And that's how I'm going to become president. Nika, 2024. That is a platform that I'm going to run on. For. <laughs> everyone's like, Nika, Nika, when are you going to run for office again? If I ever run for office again, that's going to be my platform. That gay men are more misogynistic than straight women or homophobic. Period. Boom. Period. Roasted. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just like, uh, yeah, I there's more to it and you can hear it on the Patreon. But I do think it's just like a matter of um, straight men are called on it more and like reminded of it more. And I just feel like gay men are not in the habit of even having to like check the community. No, they're not. It. That's what I mean by the, yeah. that. That's what I mean by, you know, gay, of course, straight men are violently misogynistic. Duh. <laughs> uh, like, duh, uh, women suck. Uh, yeah. Duh. <laughs> Absolute. But straight men, again, like they, it, 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 the misogyny of straight men is more insidious because it's more hidden than with gay men. But like, they do have to hide it to an extent or they have figured out ways to make it like more coded and less upfront because more of their lives depend on kind of like using and abusing women, straight men, <laughs> gay men, like don't real like gay men use women as accessories yeah. in a way that straight men and don't to, like make all of the music that they listen to yeah. and to uh, base all of their like outfits. Also, on. it's like, you know, gay men will like sexually harass women or sexually assault women in a club and act like it's not because they're not attracted to women. Yeah. Like, you know, that, I get like touched and prodded way more by gay men at the club than I ever have been by straight Same, men. Same, fully. I feel more like straight men are so afraid of being me tooed in 2022. <laughs> gay men, you should start being more afraid of being me tooed in 2022. Be more afraid. That's my hot take. Gay men should be more afraid of being me tooed because I'm gonna start saying me too. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. 2022, the year Nika starts the Me Too movement against Again. gay men. Against gay men. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and Hillary Clinton's going to be at the helm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fuck up of the week. Fuck up of the week. There's a few different ones that come to mind. Okay. Um, the like trans swimmer debacle. Oh my God. Here's the thing. Well, should we first update, like, if anyone doesn't know? Yeah, what sure. You, I don't. Yeah, you do it because I don't know as many of the details. Okay, but I do know what so, I want to say. Um, Here's the thing: trans women don't belong in sports. Um, <laughs> Shut the fuck like up. at all because we're just too pretty. Um, That's true. Um, okay, so Leah Thomas is an American swimmer and student at the University of Pennsylvania. Um, in 2021 and 2022, her athletic achievements as a trans woman became the point of public debate about transgender women in sports. Specifically, this week, um, it was like decided, even though she won a women's swimming event, they like went with the runner up um, because there was like uproar about a trans woman winning. 
and mm-hmm. that taking the like sport like the achievement away from quote unquote real women is how yes. people were putting it and how um that's unfair so um, I, I assume we both have some thoughts on this. Yeah. I mean, my main thought beyond like anything is just that I'm assuming, do we know if this swimmer is on hormones? I don't know. I'm assuming she's on hormones. She looks like she's on hormones. Like she looks like she's an HRT girly. Um, the, because you know, the constant argument amongst all cis people that I have spoken to ever because, you know, it's even, even like the most well-meaning cis people seem to have this opinion that there should be some like level of segregation in sports between trans women and cis women because of the argument that, well, you know, assigned male at birth people are inherently stronger than uh, assigned female at birth Christ. people, which often is true. Sure. But even like, let's say she's not on hormones. Cause like, I also sort of feel like that's a moot point too, because first of all, men's and women's sports were actually separated. I read something recently. They were separated so that men didn't have to be embarrassed by women beating them. That's mm. like the actual reason that men's and women's sports were separated. Makes sense. Um, it's not like for a fair chance for women to be able to like compete against each other and actually win because they could yeah. never win against a man. Yeah. So like, let's just put that baby to bed. <laughs> like we're not se- we're not segregated in this way because it's fairer to women. In yeah. fact, it often results in women being less prioritized in the world of sports because like think about the way we joke about like the and by we I mean culturally not like us but yeah. like the WNBA is like uh-huh. such a joke to people and like women's soccer only became popular recently because of how fucking like hard the American women's soccer team busted their ass yeah to be like better than the men's team totally which they successfully did so like that raises some questions too but like to me I think sports are already there's so many like there are so many advantages people are entering sports with like um Michael Phelps has like the Uh twice the lung capacity of a regular person and like like, longer arms and like there's all these things that he's like just physically he is set up to be the champion that he is yeah so it's just like you know if we're gonna talk about like physical fairness it is technically not fair that anyone has had to compete against michael phelps no but also like we were talking about serena williams last Mm -hmm. episode she's beat men in tennis Mm -hmm. um there are like plenty there there are sports that like men and women um are in together like cheerleading is a good example Mm -hmm. and like obviously it tends to be that like in cheerleading women are the flyers and men are like the base or whatever it's called. But like, that doesn't have to be inherently true. And like a huge part of the thing that they're like measured on is like their tumbling skills. And like, it doesn't make a difference whether you're a man or a woman, Mm -hmm. how good of a tumbler you are in cheerleading. Yeah. Like there's just so many things where it's like, we've actually disproven that this even fucking matters. And none of it, you know, it's just, it like, it all really does freak me the fuck out the way that cis people are like both like, you know, capital L libs and conservatives, but it freaks me out more obviously with the libs because they purport to be level headed and like on our side 
really fucking freaks me out in the last few years, the way that more and more liberals are just getting comfortable with loudly and proudly stating that they believe in segregating trans people from literally everything, from, you know, giving us, like, our own bathroom so that, like, we're not in a men or women's bathrooms to, like, creating, like, segregated trans sports teams. It's like, do you hear yourself? You sound like segregationists in the 60s. Yeah. It's just now you're talking about trans people. It's like, if there's any question that this is, like, kind of... Obviously, the civil rights movement for black people still does exist but like if there's any question that this is like the new frontier of like another larger civil rights movement in this country look no further than the conversations that are happening right now i mean it's insane they're i think it's idaho a governor in a red state i'm pretty sure it was idaho recently just banned trans women also it's like very interesting that it's being targeted specifically at trans women all of these bills etc that are being passed are not being targeted at trans men it's specifically trans women well because there's like clearly an obsession with like seeing trans women as like men that are like taking advantage of other women yes and like taking advantage of like being able to like beat other women in these situations he just passed he just passed a law uh like you know or signed it into law pretty sure it was idaho the governor that bans trans women or trans girls really, from joining sports teams in high schools across the country. Somebody went and looked at the numbers. There are four total, four trans girls in high schools in that state that are on sports teams. What fucking parent of another teammate is the one who, like, fought tooth and nail for that? You know what I mean? It's insane. Like, that is the the work of a, a, like, unhinged, like helicopter mom yeah well i also or on an opposing team rather yeah i also want people to start like looking at the movement against trans girls and trans women as what it is because to me it is i think it's less helpful to look at it as a movement of transphobia i mean it is but so much more as a movement of just women fighting women just Mm -hmm. like once again like misogyny prevailing yeah because that is what it is yeah. I mean, it's the same way that white women go after black women it's the same you know it's there's always i mean it's like the the pretty like at this point um well-known notion that like the whole reason racism exists is because the wealthier class wanted to make sure that like the poor people didn't band together yes. so like obviously racism was existing anyway but the, yes. the like the institutional racism yes. as we know it was like once slavery was ending they're like okay how do we make sure there's no workers class movement yeah make sure that white people feel like black people are like coming for their resources and are like a threat to them yeah. and it's like pretty identical to what yeah. happens in women's movements all the time with like cis women versus trans women white women versus black women like lesbians versus bisexual women yeah like there's all these ways that like we like keep getting lost in the sauce and getting divided so that we just all continue to be victims of violent misogyny yeah um and it's fucking weird it is weird it's like very insidious it's a scary scary depressing time to be a trans girl or trans woman in this country because it's like you don't know i mean i don't know at this point like who holds these beliefs or not it's like it could fucking be anyone no i know it's scary it could be like someone at the rave it could could be anyone because so many people very quietly 
hold these beliefs. I mean, I've had conversations Ugh. with people who very calmly are like, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think that trans girls should be playing on the same sports teams. I mean, As though it's last like, summer, our friend Meredith and I, when she was visiting, oh, uh-huh. um, at, when we were all at Booby Trap and that yeah. guy, like her Tinder date came. You oh, remember while yeah. you were outside smoking, she and I like cussed him the fuck out. Oh, yeah, out yeah, yeah. What, because, what was it about? Because he was saying that trans women shouldn't be on sports That's teams. That's right. And then came and, back in and, then, and was like, yeah, you're so exceptional like, like to he me. He said to you that like you're the only real person at this table. Yeah. And I was and, like, wait, what? I thought he was like flirting with me because I didn't know the context of the and conversation. And we were like, don't fucking like cozy up to like the only it trans so woman here weird. when she wasn't present for the like extremely transphobic thing you just fucking said and the only reason he kept saying that like he wasn't going to take what we were saying seriously was because neither of us were trans women and we're like so to, just to be clear you'll only accept this if the trans woman does the free labor of explaining it to you yeah like fuck off it's just it's like i can't open a jar <laughs> I can't open a jar. I cannot. I can't. I literally have to take breaks when I walk from the market if I have more than one grocery bag. I have to stop every block and relift the bag. So the idea that like every trans woman or trans girl is inherently stronger than a cis woman is a, the most, honestly, <laughs> the most misogynistic trope because it just goes to show how cis women view themselves. Yeah, no, well, that's that is my issue with this thing, point blank, is that it's like, why is it so important to you that you don't like, let's say you do believe trans women are men, that is fucking ignorant and hateful, and like, you should fix that. But that, if that's where you're coming from, fine. Why can you, as a woman, not compete against a man? Why don't you believe in yourself? Yeah, like. Like what the fuck is wrong with you? But also, oh she's not a man. So yeah. like, let's just <laughs> fucking like, what is wrong from the, the creators? Whole... If she's the man, <laughs> well, she's say, not a man. Have we, have we learned nothing from she's the man? I mean, it's just nuts. It's like, why are you as a woman obsessed with somebody else's estrogen levels? Why are you as a woman obsessed with my testosterone levels? Not that I have any anymore. But like, but also, ugh, I, sports in general. I'm a little bit like, who fucking cares? No, literally. <laughs> like, this is literally where this is like Coliseum gladiator entertainment. It doesn't fucking actually matter. I'm like, sorry that can, your daughter. I'm, I'm really sorry to like burst athletes' bubbles, but it literally doesn't fucking matter. I'm sorry your sis daughter is too stupid to get into that elite college <laughs> without her fucking lacrosse scholarship. You dumb but bitch. Like, Leave trans girls alone. I'm so like, I, I'm. I'm I'm sure we don't even have like sports fan listeners or not serious <laughs> enough ones to be upset at me feeling this way. But I'm like, this the sports industry is just that. It's an industry. It's an entertainment industry. And it's- yes, there are like incredible talent and sportsmanship. Like that that there's a lot of that within sports. And it's like incredible to watch and behold. But that is literally all it is. It's just crazy to act like it's like just go fucking read any goddamn article online about statistics and like look at like the battles that trans girls and trans women are up against like literally trans girls and trans women are at like the face the highest rate of domestic violence and abuse sexual assault and abuse amongst all groups of women like the highest poverty rates amongst all women it just all goes unreported the, you know we if we seek resources at women's shelters we're often turned away it's like This idea that, like, trans girls and trans women are receiving, like, special privileges (laughs) and are, like, this protected class of women when we're literally at the bottom of the fucking barrel. We're getting, like, all this extra special stuff. And when I say we, I obviously, I'm not speaking about myself, which is the community at large. But, like, you know, 
It's just, it's insane for like sports, like swimming or like, I don't know, sports that are kind of like this, like a comparison rather than like teams competing against each other. I feel like the answer to that isn't separating people based on gender, which even if you are separating people, people based on gender, trans women should still be trans women, trans men should be on the, like in the competitions of their gender identity. Yeah. But these concerns would be put to bed if we treated all sports like wrestling where you only compete against people in like your similar like weight and like height class. Like, I think that is the actual answer, but like rather than like looking at ways that we can reform sports to make it like actually fair, because I think that would also solve the problems with like the people who have other types of physical advantages that are actual advantages and not perceived advantages. Yeah. But like rather than looking for a way to make sports more fair and inclusive, we're just like so hung up on like attacking people for like shit that honestly is irrelevant in my opinion yeah i mean this society is gonna have to have a real reckoning at some point probably not in our lifetime but it's gonna happen at some point where we're gonna be forced to look at and really contend with and evaluate the way that we abuse trans people especially trans kids and trans teenagers and it's just like you know there's this common belief that even i admit Uh, you know this idea that like trans people are kind of like more self-absorbed than like anyone else because we're constantly like thinking about our identity and the way that like people see us etc and it's true we can be like pretty self-absorbed people but it's like this right here is why like imagine being at like the for we're at the forefront of this whatever you want to call it this culture war this civil rights movement Well, people are treating your like actual identity as like a hypothetical debate yeah it's like i think about this every time i'm taking a shower like my shower thoughts always lead me to the same place which is wow there are like actually people out there who like think that who i am is like just up for debate yeah it's like no babe no Like recently, I've just like been like around queer people that like are cis, but queer. And there's something about cis queer people that they feel like because it's the LGBTQ community and technically trans is like part of this community of sexualities, Mm -hmm. even though it's a gender identity. Yeah. They think that it's like part of like it's something that they get to have a say in the issues on. And it's like. Bestie, you're cis. Yeah. Like, this has literally nothing to or do with Or that they, you. like, inherently understand it more because yes, they're yeah, queer. Yeah. And it's like, no, you don't. Act- you-, you actually don't. You have a just as much understanding on this. Uh, like, with without doing the work, you have just as much understanding on this as the straight people that you fucking hate. Yeah. Just so you know. Yeah. Like... And like I've had multiple times where I've had to like really level with people and be like, hey, so I know that you don't think that you're transphobic. I know that you don't mean to be. But the shit that's coming out of your mouth, like I'm not comfortable like bringing you around my friends. Yeah. Like you need to go like read a book. Yeah. And like, you know, like just you need to like surround yourself more with different gender identities and like really like learn and listen because like you're saying very casually ignorant things that perpetuate like it's like a snowball effect that like if even the people in our queer community are saying these like little things then it like that much more justifies these like bills that are like banning people from like be being trans in Texas. It's so common. You have no idea, or maybe you do, but I mean, the amount of times that I have heard 
it's both been said about me to me and then about other trans people by like you know when it's said when it's been said to me or about me it's been said by queer people that I am not friends with and so they've said it from a place of anger and then when it's said to me about other trans people it's been said by people that like I thought I was friends with that I'm not gonna like respect that trans person's pronouns because I don't like them or like, yes. well, I'm not going to use their chosen name because I don't fucking like them. Yeah. And it's like, that is so fucking telling yep. of how all cis people view trans people as though like respecting us, like respecting who we are, even if you don't respect us as a person, which is fine. You don't have to like me or have any respect for me as a person. But my like pronouns, and my name and my womanhood is not conditional. No, it's also, you know. Feel free to like also hate me as a woman. Yeah, like hate like- me because because you think I'm a bitch. <laughs> so basically, since middle school, I've always had at least like one very close friend that's trans. Yeah. So for me, it's like I do feel like I just have a little bit more of a like. Um. I didn't have to go through what a lot of like a lot of people there they have to like as adults reckon with transness, and for me, it was like part of my development yeah and so I do sort of feel sometimes that like it does feel personal to me because so many people I love are trans but also because it just like I'm like I'm proof that this actually can be just fully integrated into your brain listen if my 75 year old dad and my 86 year old grandmother can fucking get it then like literally anyone can and yeah are like like that's it listener mistakes This mistake comes from Anonymous. Hi, besties. I'm currently a master's student studying environmental science at the University of Auckland in New Zealand. Your pod is my absolute fave to listen to as I work on monotonous lab experiments. I love our New Zealand and Australian listeners. Like, how did y'all find us? Um. Thanks for letting me live vicariously through you. If you choose to read my mistake. Oh. Um, they, yeah, they want anonymity. Um, okay. My best, worst, most embarrassing mistake comes from my freshman year of undergrad 2015. I started hooking up with a boy who told me we could never date because he's Jewish and I'm not. Apparently, the Jewish bloodline is maintained through motherhood. And if this man and I ever married and had children, our children wouldn't be Jewish. Obviously, this is an insane line of logic, and he was just using it against me because he wanted to be a fuckboy and not commit to a relationship with me. Well, I'm insane, and I decided to lie to this boy and tell him I'm Jewish. Oh, my God. I even went as far as to join various Jewish clubs on campus and convince most of my friends and peers that I'm Jewish. To this day, I think some of my friends, some of my close friends are either unsure about my Judaism or believe that I'm Jewish. Despite my Jewish charade, this boy continued to flaunt the terms of our relationship, string me along and cheat on me. Obviously, my lies and continued relationship with this boy were mistakes since then or since then I've grown up a lot and my self-worth isn't dependent on who I'm fucking or if they'll date me. And I think I have that relationship with the Jewish boy to thank. Anyway, thanks for creating the best pod on Spotify. Looking mm. forward to many more XOXO. Thank you and you're welcome. Um, sounds like something I would do. Definitely would lie about being Jewish. <laughs> it's iconic. It is iconic. Iconic and great takeaway too. Your value as a human being is not dependent on fuckboys liking you or not. And, you know, some of us have to take 
some crazy journeys to get to that um, conclusion. And yours is no crazier than any of ours, bestie. Um, (laughs) Iconic. Iconic. Deep dive. Deep dive. My deep dive is short, um, but it's a deep dive nonetheless. Um, I was thinking about this last night and then also today, but when I was in middle school, I fought my parents tooth and nail to let me apply to a Votech school um, in Providence called The Met. Um, and it was like the alternative queer kids school. Like everyone there was like non-binary and had like snake bites and septum piercings. And it was just the place I wanted to be as like a queer gender bendy scene kid. Um, but they didn't want me to go there. None of my teachers supported it. Everyone thought it was a crazy idea. And then finally, my parents relented and agreed that I could go. Um, they really wanted me to go to LaSalle, which I didn't want to do. It was uh, a private school and I hated the idea of it. And so I got accepted. And the day that I got my acceptance letter to the Met, I called my dad and I told him to put down the deposit for LaSalle Academy. And, um, then I spent the next four years of my life in a (laughs) miserable hellscape at a horrible Catholic school full of the worst people I've ever met in my entire life. (laughs) I think I still um, am unpacking the trauma from going to that school. Um, I do think that everything happens for a reason. I don't know that LaSalle happened for a reason. <laughs> I don't it know. It might be the one exception to the rule. To the rule. I don't know that my life, I was thinking about it today, I don't know that my life would be any, I think I would have still ended up in New York. I think I'd still have the same friends. <laughs> I wouldn't have taken a gap year maybe. Just kind of a wash of a. I would have experience. come out as trans at like 15 instead of 21. Yeah. If anything, like, better things would have happened. I think Um, about that, too. But, you know, the moral of that story, of that deep dive, is just don't um, try to get people's approval. You know, I was trying to get my dad's approval by going to his alma mater, and it didn't work. Um, We still fought, like, tooth and nail and didn't really, you know, get each other. Um, Yeah, worst mistake. One of the worst mistakes of my life was choosing to go to LaSalle. Well... Much like you choosing to go to LaSalle and doing a whole lot of a lot for it to ultimately end up in to ultimately end up in maybe the same place um, with a whole lot less drama. Yeah. Um, So too, (laughs) this was this week's best mistake of Four Loco putting out an insane formula. Bottoms up and the devil laughs creating a wild time in history only to end up as a regular schmegular beverage um just like any other beverage on the shelf yes um so possibly all of the the chaos was needless but you know i would like to say for both four loco and your high school LaSalle experience um you know like the legend lives on yeah for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, like, we at least have the comfort of um, it made for a story? Yeah, yeah, Question yeah. Question mark? Best mistake. So once upon a time, there were uh, a group of besties at a, um, in, in a frat at Ohio State University. Their names were Jeff Wright, Jason Freeman, and Christopher Hunter. Um, 
During their time at Ohio State, they were um, serious consumers of caffeine mixed with alcohol at frat parties and the club nights. And, um, you know, just like casually, they loved a Red Bull on their night out. I mean, who doesn't? I mean, who doesn't? It is classic. Um, So a few years. uh, Well, so in the late 90s, when they were still in college, um, Red Bull and vodka was the hot new concoction on campus. Um, But before it was like all the rage um, and like the the thing like Red Bull was the specific thing that people preferred. Um, Hunter and Wright, who lived together at the Kappa Sigma house, tried to sell an original Thai version of bottled caffeine to their other friends in the house. Um, We told everyone we were importing the stuff from abroad, recalls Wright, still amused by the deceit. But we were buying it at the Asian grocery store down the street and selling it to our fraternity brothers at $5 a pop. So, you know, these were already just really good at their heart entrepreneurs. Um, American dream. So a few years later in 2005, um, they decided that the world needed a super caffeinated high ABV alcoholic beverage. Um, they incorporated their company as Fusion Projects, which was the name that Hunter had used for his club promotions on campus, and set up a virtual office of a UPS mailbox near um, one of their Chicago apartments. At the time, cherry-flavored vodkas were hot, so the boys decided to go with a cherry-berry flavor profile. <laughs> Um, Inspired by the popularity of an energy beer called Sparks, they set out to produce a cherry-flavored vodka-esque malt beverage, which they called Four, because it contained four notable ingredients. Caffeine, taurine, um, guarana, or wait, how would you pronounce this? Oh, um, guarana. I actually don't know, but I've had that soda. Um, guarana and then wormwood. So for anyone who doesn't know, we all know what caffeine is, but those other <laughs> elements, um, taurine is an amino acid important in several of the body's metabolic processes. So I think, um, the like benefit of it being in this beverage is like when you're metabolizing it mm-hmm. faster, you get more fucked up. Yeah. Um, Guarana, if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, I'm so sorry, is a plant native to the Amazon. It is common. It is a common ingredient of energy drinks and can be unsafe in large amounts. And wormwood is an herb that is grown as an ornamental plant and is the supposed psychoactive ingredient in absinthe and some other alcoholic beverages. So immediately when they come out with this beverage called Four, it's a flop. The co-founder Wright remembers driving all across the country, working with distributors, just trying to get the product on the shelf. He said, I'd go back a week later to some of these markets, even months later, and the product was still there, the same product that we sold them. So that was the point we knew we were in trouble. We needed to pivot and make some key product changes based on our consumers. Um, So in its second iteration... Um, in 2008, the one that would lift the beverage to notoriety, four became four loco. It grew to a tall boy size. It cut the wormwood and got a flashy neon camo look. The alcohol content 
also doubled and the can it doubled taking the can from six to a whopping 12% ABV. Um, as much alcoholic impact as roughly four beers and as much caffeine as roughly a cup and a half of coffee. Um, the caffeine masks the effects of the alcohol for a time, leading you to drink more than you might otherwise be inclined to, um, which is part of what made Four Loco like a very popular beverage to get absolutely wasted with. Mm-hmm. Um, Four Loco's revenue doubled from $45 million in 2009 to at least $100 million in 2010. Wow. There are tales of accidental nude break-ins and hallucinations attributed to Four Loco. There's an entire genre of Four Loco rap music on YouTube from the <laughs> summer of 2010, a website devoted to Four Loco stories, and Reddit threads full of people's craziest nights. Um, an anonymous former NYU student fom- fondly remembers the beverage saying, I remember I was living in an apartment off campus when I was at NYU. I think we were all 21 at that point. Or some of or some of us were wink. Um, it was the time that Jersey Shore was really big, <laughs> and we would have everyone over Thursday nights to watch Jersey Shore and drink Four Loco. It was the perfect pairing. Oh my god! If that's I mean, not the was. most 2010 <laughs> shit you've ever heard. So to paint a picture, this was the year of like a G6 by Far East Movement being like the soundtrack yes. to all of our lives. Ugh. Artists like Kesha, 303, and LMFAO were topping the charts with songs about getting shit-faced yes. and just having fun. Jersey Shore was the favorite ironic reality show of the moment, highlighting a group of young adults making drunken fools of themselves night after night. Um, Skins UK was yes. on its fourth season and gaining popularity outside of the UK. And if you don't know, that's a show mostly just about teenagers getting fucked up, um, just drinking and doing drugs. Um, American Apparel was at its height of popularity with advertisements featuring models that looked hungover and malnourished. We were, as a country, I would say, obsessed with messy party culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is like, you know, Peak indie sleaze realness. Yes. Four Loco was the beverage accompany- accompanying all of this like cultural obsession with um, partying like it's the last time we're ever going to party, which is kind of true because it was also like the Obama era. I think there was a false sense of like comfort and security mm-hmm. while also a restlessness that a lot of people had. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like our last time of not feeling like an insane sense of pending impending doom i think i agree um so college colleges across the country began banning for loco after student hospitals hospitalizations were connected to the drink several several lawsuits were filed by families claiming their children's deaths were caused by or linked to drinking for loco um for example, on November 16th, 2010, Joe and Vicky Kieran, the parents of 20-year-old Jason Kieran, sued the makers of Four Loco for their son's death when Jason accidentally shot himself after drinking at least three cans of the drink, the alcoholic equivalent of 18 beers and six cups of coffee. Um, they believe the drink caused Jason to become so manic and erratic that it led to him accidentally shooting himself. I couldn't find the outcome of this lawsuit, which makes me assume it was dismissed. Probably. Um, but those that was not the only lawsuit. That was just like one of the more extreme ones. Mm-hmm. Um, President Obama's drug 
Czar, um, Jill Karolowski, um, blasted caffeinated alcoholic beverages, slamming them as designed, branded, and promoted to encourage binge drinking. And Four Loko specifically was denounced by the White House as liquid cocaine, <laughs> a name which then turned into an affectionate pet name by lovers of the drink. Oh um, in November 2010, the Federal Trade Commission sent a warning letter to several caffeinated alcoholic drink producers, including the makers of um, Juice, Max, Core High Gravity, and Moonshot, urging them to take swift and appropriate steps to protect consumers. Um, all this prompted several states, including New York, to seek out bans on Four Loco. Felix Ortiz, New York State Assemblyman at the time, introduced legislation to ban Four Loco and other caffeinated alcoholic drinks in his state of um, in in the state of New York um, in the fall of 2010. Shortly thereafter. NBC asked him if he might drink some himself to see exactly what the drink did to one's body. He agreed to show exactly how detrimental and dangerous it was for the health of our children. Um, and he like threw up and had a horrible time. Yeah. And so under the supervision of doctors, he proceeded to drink one or two four locos with, um, and watched his uh, blood pressure violently sp- spike, resulting in him throwing up and having... A horrible night. Um, so with several lawsuits pending against them and the FTC threat threat looming, the creators of Four Loco got out ahead of the trouble and announced on November 17th, 2010, that they would be removing the caffeine, taurine and guarana from their recipe. That night, a crowd gathered in New York City's Union Square with candles for the vigil of Four Loco. Some brought their guitars and bongos to play in tribute, and others shared stories about the good times of the original Four Loco formula, chanting slogans like, what do we want, Four Loco? When do we want it forever? (laughs) The company was struck with with $30 million worth of unsellable um, or sorry, the company was stuck with $30 million of unsellable inventory, which then was turned into ethanol and recycled as fuel in California and Virginia, which has me wondering, should we put the makers of Four Loco in charge of this gas crisis? Yes. Um, I feel like they would, they know where to take us. Um, as far as the inventory that was already out in the world when the ban was announced, distributors had until December 10th to stop selling their existing stock and the stockpilers didn't take long to take it right off their hands. New York university students bought entire bodega stocks to resell to friends. Cases were going for unheard prices on eBay and Craigslist Four locos. Young founders were demonized in the press. Their product was, had been blamed not only for teen alcohol binging, but also for its occasional violent consequences, including gay bashing and date rape. The company's three founders, um, were hounded by local politicians from New York to Tacoma and were faced with a barrage of lawsuits to prevent companies from promoting irresponsible underage drinking. Fusion products paid $400,000 in settlement fees um, after Massachusetts attorney general um, had a lawsuit against them. I, for some reason, my note doesn't finish that sentence, but whatever. Um, Jim Sloan, president of fusion Projects, said his company did not violate any laws and disagrees with the allegations against him. However, the company 
had many reasons for amicably settling the dispute. We consider this agreement a practical way to move forward and an opportunity to highlight our continued commitment to ensuring that our products are consumed safely and responsibly only by adults 21 and over. LOL. Yeah, right. That's why your cans were like bright colors and tasted like liquid candy. Um. The new decaf for loco, meanwhile, sold remarkably well right away. With a 12% alcohol ca- content, it was still the country's most potent convenience store drink, along with Colt 45 Blast. Um, and they're still, you can still buy four loco to this day, but yes, it just ain't the same. Um, my sources on this um, are a few articles. Um, anyone who, like, I, Four Loco, I think, like, struck at the perfect time for those of us who were teenagers at the time. Like, we all remember. It's funny that they, like, supposedly marketed it to teenagers because none of us paid for it. Yeah. We would just steal it from gas stations. Yeah. So it's like, why even bother marketing towards a demographic that literally can't buy it? But, but yeah, the memories I have absolutely losing my mind on four loco as like a 14 year old with a precious developing brain. I might be a rocket scientist now if it weren't for that. Um, so my sources are the fix posted or had an article called meet the frat boys behind four loco America's most hated beer, um, by Jay Cheshies, um, posted in April of 2011, ABC news, had an article for loco lawsuit parents claim energy drink killed son. Uh, um, the article is by Andrea Canning in November, 2010 um, Esquire for loco is still cemented in drinking legend 10 years after it cut out the caffeine by Lauren crank in November, 2020. And then New York magazine had an article called the oral history of four loco in New York by Maxine builder in August of 2018. Moral of the story. I mean, I think that genuine moral of the story is that the consumer market should be way more regulated than it actually is because then shit like this wouldn't happen as yeah, much. Yeah, totally. Um, moral also, of the story is don't let frat boy entrepreneurs start a business. And also, like, be an adult and do drugs. Don't drink. <laughs> moral of the story is... If you were around to drink the Four loco, I mean... Start putting retinol into your skincare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's time to take some actions um, health-wise to counteract what that did to our like bodily yes. alchemy. Um, none of us are okay. No. It permanently probably dyed our insides. Yes. Um, but also, what a fun time. What Getting fun absolutely time. wasted to Four Loco or with Four Loco with like a G6 playing in the background off of like someone's laptop speaker mm-hmm. in a basement. Mm-hmm. Take me back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also mm-hmm. took someone's virginity when we were drinking Four Loco. I love that. Um, but yeah, moral of the story is, I mean, it's like kind of. It's like a funny story to me, so I don't feel that strongly on anything. But I do think like that was all possible because of how like absolutely unchecked um, our like regulated substances actually like we need more regulated substances. Like we need to like legalize drugs and regulate drugs, in my opinion. But we have to start with how unregulated things like alcohol and um, nicotine and 
the be- the beginnings of the THC market already are. Which you know? we talk about on our Patreon episode this week. Yeah. So go subscribe. Go subscribe for my birthday. Also for my birthday, even though I just talked mad shit, if anyone has access to original formula for Loco, I would absolutely love a can. I'll find it. Um, Like, I, it would be a treasure to me. I'll find it. Um, But yeah. Leave us. Uh, write us your mistakes. Write us your mistakes. Best mistakes pod, pod at gmail.com. gmail.com. Write us a review. Write us a review. Please. Um, follow us on social media and subscribe to our Patreon. We love you so much. And uh, test your holes. Test your drugs. And kiss, kiss your, your friends, friends on, on the, the mouth. mouth. Uh,